Hello, this is Dr. Jolle Kerpersnet again, and this is a cat bite during the summer. Per podcast, uh, we'll do short cat bites of around 10 minutes, and uh, this is our second one. Hello, Kelly. Hi, Jolle. How are you doing? I am doing great. We're sitting outside. The cicadas are singing. Uh, it's a beautiful weather. It's like, like 30 degrees centigrade, nice little breeze, and so it's, uh, this is the living. This is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. So Kelly, we're here for the ISFM Congress. It's uh, the 21st one, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so can you tell a little bit about the topic that we're talking about and what you have learned so far? Sure. The, the conference is uh, mainly about feline behavior or feeling fine, is there? Feeling fine, they, yes, they, I love they're that. They're using that uh, coined phrase. And uh, it's, it's partly in celebration of our 10-year anniversary for cat-friendly clinics and cat-friendly practice, which is happening this year. Uh, and so a real focus on behavior, understanding cats and their emotions, which will, you know, allow us to interact with them better in practice and also help caregivers at home to, to take care, better care of them, just understanding what makes a cat tick. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And there are some amazing speakers here. There yeah. are, yeah. Yeah, so they, they, they pulled out all the stops to get the, the <laughs> you know, the, the most famous cat behaviorists uh, that yep. are around. So uh, so who did you listen to and what did you learn from them? Uh, so we've had Dr. Sarah Heath and Dr. Sarah Ellis, uh, mm-hmm. who are both in the behavior fields lecturing, and we've had Claire Rus- Dr. Claire Rusbridge as well, um, and a number of other individuals, and it's Dr. Danielle Gunmore, of, of course. Of course, yes. Yeah. So Danielle we've been, did a great job. Yeah, we've been learning so much about, um, the, for example, with Sarah Heath, the SYNC model of understanding why cats behave the way that they do. Um, which really takes us away from the whole fight-or-flight response understanding and just a little more detailed, but also simplified. Can you simplified. tell me what sync model means? Uh, that's a really, you can put me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I guess the traditional way of looking at how animals respond to things would be negative or positive emotions, but what Sarah's done, Sarah Heath has done is taken it to a slightly different uh, direction and rather looking at it as... Um, you know, protectional emotions or responses, and then also affiliative responses. And, and so we can start looking at those, because negative responses sound like something that you should never have, yeah. but they are in fact protective for the animal. So uh, fear, for example, is an emotion that cats experience that's actually protective, right? Where yeah. they're protecting themselves from being harmed. Yeah. So we don't want to eliminate fear in a cat. We want to help them cope with it so that they can move past it. Yeah, I, I, I thought those lectures were very uh, eye-opening. Um, also, to you know, you, you can read the cat by looking at it, mm-hmm. and then you know, estimate what kind of emotion they're in, and then respond to that emotion in an appropriate way. While you know, we tend to do the one thing that I, I thought was you know, you know, when we put a box into the cat's cage, yeah. if we put the box over the cat. That's probably the worst thing that you can do with a cat. Yeah, yeah. You need to let them have some choice about what they want to do with the box. Do they want to sit on top of it? Do they want to go inside of it and hide? And it's really about allowing them to take the emotion that we've identified and let them deal with it rather than trying to take the emotion away from them or cure them of the emotion. Uh, so it really makes a difference in cat practice. And it's been very enlightening for me because I'm an author on the upcoming cat-friendly interactions and veterinary environment guidelines, which we're doing this year because of the 10-year anniversary. Awesome. Um, And so Dr. Heath and Ellis are authors, and uh, it's been very interesting to learn all of these ideas to try and put them into practice. And I think it's going to be a great set of guidelines for people to use. Yeah, we talked a little bit about shelter also and, and, and cat behavior within shelters and that there is... 
very few tools for shelters to use to estimate, you know, how a cat feels. Why is that? I think I would say it's probably mostly because they're overwhelmed a lot of the time, right? They always have so many animals and restricted space and restricted staff that they don't necessarily have the time and, and, and energy to, to look at that yeah. and work with it. But I know there's been a lot of changes over the last couple of decades in, yeah. in practice, even just in shelters with their uh, how they house them. So having um, houses, again, with boxes or hiding spaces in them, but also port holes that lead to a second cage so that you can set up them up with a more ideal environment and distribution of the resources within that environment really makes a difference to the stress level. Yeah, yeah, and today we're talking about our favorite topic, which is feline lower urinary tract disease. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and one thing that Danielle said that stuck with me is that uh, uh, probably one of the biggest stressors is the owner. Yes, not surprising, right? Because no. I think a lot of caregivers don't have a really good understanding of cats, and and uh, if we can help them, again, by using a lot of these methods with an understanding behavior, I think it, it makes a big difference. I know yeah. in my own practice it has made a difference for, for caregivers and their cats at home to understand what the cat's feeling, because then they can really work with it. And it's it's such a great example of a multifactorial disease. You yes. Know, we, 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 as veterinarians, we try to fix everything with one solution, but this is, yeah, you, you can only fix it with multiple solutions. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and then Danielle also said that probably, you know, in those cases that are kind of hopeless, the only right thing to do is to rehome the cat in mm -hmm. a place where they're alone. Yes. And, and, you know, that they can choose whatever they want to do and not yep. bother by other cats. Yeah, and it's so true. And in the 13 years that I had my practice, we had a number of house soiling cats come through, um, you know, that we worked up medically and tried to help the caregivers with the environment, but they may not be able to. So they have young children. They don't have time maybe to take proper care of the cat. And just simply taking those cats and finding them a home with someone who is maybe single or just a couple that doesn't have children and have very consistent schedules. Mm house soiling goes away right so yeah. I mean what she's saying makes so much sense yeah and then and then she told us that uh, the only she had one cat that kind of broke the rule and and went back to the behavior and the only reason that the cat did that was when the old owner came by oh really and yeah yeah so it was a it was a sister that took care of the cat and then when the old owner came by the sister and it can hear the voice of the owner is that so, came back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So wow. owners have an effect on, on, that's, on the that's cats. That's amazing. So what, what I also appreciate of this conference is the fact that they look at behavior from all sides. So we had Dennis Turner who is an etiologist mm -hmm. who looks at it. We have a neurologist, we have behavior specialists, we have internal medicine specialists. I missed the surgeon, but you know, okay, that's me. <laughs> um, but uh, and and so you know, surgery is a big stressor too often. But mm -hmm. they tend not to talk about it. But that that's a really nice way of looking at one problem. Yeah, it's a very holistic approach. Right? Yeah, and really getting into that brain because that's really where a lot of these problems come up. Even the medical problems, like we know, stress affects the gastrointestinal system, the bladder behavior in general so it all is connected and it is. so it's this multifactorial disease that has multiple ways of showing itself too yeah. uh, and that also makes it complicated because you you don't always recognize it you know when a cat is vomiting you probably think about other things instead of stress as yeah. the main yeah. cause so I, I i really do like this approach uh, and i've learned quite a lot and we're only halfway 
we are only halfway. Yeah, lots so, of stuff to come yet. Yeah, so we're going to talk about uh, a lot of different things, therapies, and so we really have touched on diagnosis and, and, and you know how you recognize it. And so the next couple of days will be about therapy and how you can prevent things. Yeah. So, yeah, very exciting stuff. So, so thank you so much. We're at the end of our very short cat bite. Uh, and uh, we'll have a couple more uh, for the next couple of weeks. So uh, hang on tight and we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye.